This week's episode contains examples of microaggression and identity-related trauma. While there isn't anything explicit, it could be triggering for some. It's okay if you need to skip this one. Do what's right for you. This is Unsilent, a speak series from No Stigmas that champions mental health advocacy and challenges the stigmas that prevent people from getting the help they need. I'm Eli Lawson, a producer for the show. This week, No Stigmas Lanceport Alone will be having a conversation with Taylor, a longtime No Stigmas volunteer, nursing student, and fervent queer ally. We'll learn more about Taylor's past and how he wrestled with his trans and queer identity, all while being made to feel other, even by the people who were closest to him. But we'll also experience the immense power of opening up and using modern day advances like the internet to find your community. Thank you for being here. If you want to learn more or contact us, visit nostigmas.org. Don't face it alone. Be unsilent. Okay, so Taylor, it's so nice to have you um, with us in the conversation. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Good to be here. Awesome. Okay, so you are no stranger to no stigmas and um, have actually been around longer than I have. So I'm excited to hear your story and, um, you know, what's your connection to to mental health advocacy? Yeah, so I have been with No Stigmas for over a year now, um, and I volunteer there with DePaul University as part of my master's program. I'm going for nursing, uh, so that's exciting, graduating this year. Um, and uh, when we were picking what sites we were going to volunteer with, um, I met Jake, and you know, the whole cause really spoke to me because I've struggled with mental health issues my whole life. And, you know, I've had a lot of people around me suffering from really severe issues and kind of like the whole process of finding myself and learning how to cope with it and helping other people cope with it. And also just seeing people who don't learn to cope with it and how difficult their lives are. Um, I think advocacy and spreading awareness is super, super important. And this is an issue that we as a country do not deal with very well. So uh, really, it's a sort of any little bit helps type of thing. Yeah, you know? that was, yeah, I'm glad that you brought that up. <laughs> um, because I think like we, in these conversations, and I'm sure you've, you have them in your personal life and probably at school or even with those stigmas in the past, but like everyone no matter how different we are or how different we seem, there's this overwhelming similarity of like, we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> like we just don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. Um, and I guess that's the definition of stigma. But um, for you, if going back into, let's go back to like young, young little Taylor. Um, tell us some more, tell us who, like who you are, like, where did you start? And, and, you know, without like triggering you, but you know, where were some of the hurdles that you started to first face? So young little Taylor was extremely depressed and had unmedicated bipolar disorder. So that was definitely a trip. Right. Um, you know, I, I know we, we kind of laugh. We kind of, it's like funny how, cause I'm the yeah. same way. Like we kind of laugh about it and we're like, I'm yeah. on the other side of the pain. So I'm, it's, you know, gotta laugh. So you don't exactly. Cry. I know exactly. But if anyone's watching, we're not like laughing at like oh yeah. but um no i do the same thing my fun fun times, times it was medication i know i'm the same way i'm like uh, i'm gonna just keep it light but no i sorry to interrupt you yes so you how when you say on when you say let's pinpoint it at an age like where would you say you had your first memory kind of of like 
something like I don't feel necessarily like my best or I don't feel like maybe I'm like my peers. Like when did you start to have like that in your head? Yeah. So, I mean, I honestly think I was pretty depressed and anxious, even as like a small child, like, you know, I would leave my house and all I could think about was like, the house is going to burn down and I'm never going to see my dog again. And, you know, yeah. that's not really a normal thing for like a six or seven year old to be thinking right. that's, yeah. constantly or just like, oh, my God, did we turn out all the lights? If the light's on, it's going to like start a fire or like, you know, X, Y, Z. I took a CPR class when I was 11 and then, of course, was just lying in bed convinced I was going to have a heart attack wow. like so you just, for the next week after. So you had like you were kind of, kind of worried about things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and my mom would say the same thing. You're just like, oh, yeah, we're just worriers. And it's like, no, that's a panic disorder. Mm. Um, and yeah, same. Then I went, you know, into high school and it was kind of like, oh, teenagers just have mood swings. Like, that's normal. Right. But just kind of the cycle of mania and then like crushing depression. Like, people I've known back then, I've actually gotten in contact with them again and just be like, I'm sorry, you know, like, I was not really in control of that. But I know, you know, it would be like, oh, all fun, happy times laughing. And then suddenly I'm like crying in the bathroom, like no one is ever going to love me and like, all that sort of stuff. So uh, I definitely also did a lot of self-medicating, which probably didn't help, but it was kind of, I don't know, I feel like all that sort of stuff, um, I've actually been on a sobriety journey recently. Same. So I'm five months sober. Same? That's so hey, wild. Congrats. Yeah, no, that's wild. Yeah, um, I, I, September. What is that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just went to my first AA meeting, actually, and was pleasantly surprised. I was a little skeptical about, like, the religious parts of it, but it was very, like, secular, and it's, you know, spiritual, not religious, and obviously it depends on the group you go to. Yeah. But um, anyway, I, I used to self-medicate a lot, and I think it was sort of a, like, you know, anything to not be in my head, because a head is a terrible place to be. Mm. Um. My other big outlet was like writing and music. Um, I know I definitely used to write a lot to just like be someone else, be somewhere else. It was all about that kind of escapism uh, and same with music. Um, and then, you know, I had a, a pretty unhealthy relationship with my parents. So moving away for college was a big step. Um, you know, I got a therapist and started kind of deconstructing some stuff and being like, oh, I grew up in a really abusive household, huh? Mm. Like these experiences were not normal. Mm -hmm. Um, so I've been in therapy for, geez, probably since like 2013, 2014, however many yeah. years that is. Wow. There, there was a break in there for a minute. And I mean... You know, when you say that, some people will be like, oh, well, then therapy doesn't fix anything if you still have to go to it. But it's totally it's not like that at all. You know, it's it's in incremental progress mm -hmm. for sure. Like, I don't think I actually started making progress in therapy till over a year in because I don't think I was telling the truth to my therapist or myself. Yeah. And it was kind of about like getting deep enough in there and getting to trust someone enough and even just learning how to express things because right. that was a learning experience. Um, 
but these days you know i just go like every other week and i see it like going to the gym yeah i was gonna say that's what it's that's i was when you said that i was thinking the same thing like it's just maintenance you know like anything else Mm -hmm. so what would you say going back because you know this I, i want this conversation to really folk i really want us to focus our attention on you know identity queer identity um wherever that takes us you know i mean there's so many people who identify with that word um and i just want to hear from you like what is your connection to your identity and the evolution and then how did that connect to mental health like what was the overlap or the, the journey with that Yeah, definitely. So um, I'm a trans man. Uh, So growing up, I was, you know, female presenting, like, that's how I interacted with the world and how the world interacted with me. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff there with my mom basically picking up all my clothes and like, you know, dressing me and having me just being kind of like her little extension of herself. So so traditionally very, like, more hyper feminine. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I used to wear dresses and have a little like clip in flower in my hair and like have all the makeup. I still have some pictures from when I was in high school and it's pretty funny looking back. But um, yeah, hyper, hyper femme. And, you know, she would say stuff like, oh, you know, I'm older now, but it doesn't matter because now you're beautiful and like everyone will pay attention to you <laughs> and that sort of healthy stuff. <laughs> I was, we're going to get there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, um, you know, then, um, I mean, I remember being a little kid and just being like, well, can girls marry each other? Uh, And the reaction just kind of being like, uh, don't ask Mm. that. Um, And, you know, I realized I was um, bisexual pretty early on. I think I was probably, you know, like... 13 if not earlier where it was just kind of you know like oh girls girls are really pretty i i like girls Mm -hmm. but also i like boys so i can't be gay Mm -hmm. um so so when did you when did you yeah i i want to get into your head so when did you what was the walk us through the process of what it's like to you know be born in a body and the connection to your your mental health and the connection to your head and that sense of identity like what was the evolution for you to go from you know being a kid and then going like you're saying through your teenage years and then to adulthood and this evolution like what was that like yeah well much like being very anxious about like the house burning down or my dog dying when i was a kid i thought it was also normal for everyone to just sit around and you know fantasize about like, oh, what would it be like if I was a boy, you know, like, I would have X, Y, and Z, and I would do this, and da, 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 and, like, wouldn't I be so much happier, Um, and, you know, growing up, I was always, like, friends with all guys, and it'd just be like, oh, yeah, I'm just one of the guys, you know, and I'd always get told, like, yeah, you're not like any girl I've ever met, and how right we were. (laughs) Did you feel, um, I'm, comparing it in my head to growing up in a small town and knowing at the very young age, like I, I, I completely knew, I didn't know what the word was. I didn't have the vocabulary, but I knew that that straight I was not. Um, and I'm just wondering when for you, did you feel, um, or I guess whenever you started to feel, okay, this might be more of who I am. 
where were you when you maybe first remember feeling like you're settling in yourself again? Like you kind of felt like, or have you ever felt like you've really settled in? Yeah. So, um, I didn't really have like words for that, uh, definitely growing up. I mean, I think again, going back, like I used writing a lot mm -hmm. to kind of escape and be someone else or like, you know, feel more like I was. Um, and even, I think I had a lot of internalized like homophobia and transphobia, just kind of like growing up in an environment where like, oh, that's a bad thing. Or like, that's, that's what crazy people do. Right. Or like, how, how fucked up do you have to be? Right. Um, but then I got to college and actually I kind of remember the exact moment when it, when it clicked, I was reading this uh, story about a trans man and it was just kind of, you know, like their whole process of transitioning. And it was, I, I started crying like, oh my God, uh, like this is me. Mm. And at the time I was like, oh, there's no way I could ever do it. Like I could never pass. I could never do X, Y, and Z. Um, but you know, I started getting the clothes. Um, I identified as genderqueer for a while. And I know that, you know, there are plenty of people who are just genderqueer mm -hmm. and like total respect for them. But um I, I think I was more comfortable with that at first than like fully embracing transness. Mm -hmm. And like the more time I was able to spend away from my home life and kind of out in the world and like having new experiences and, you know, like. And like getting to choose who's around you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah making my found family. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it just kind of progressed. And um i i finally came out to my family and that's when i stopped talking to them because wow. um they were all like wooey like hippies and their response to me coming out was well why do you have to change this body why can't you just wait to be reincarnated okay i mean that's their belief um yeah. but <sighs> okay I, my question that's a I was, unique take. I was gonna, yeah i was gonna say my, i don't I like no judgment but what about that to me sounds like you're chasing this idea of of being seen and may have to chase this for a very long time um where are you with that like do you feel that your family sees you for who you are today uh, that's the thing I've kind of given up okay. on actually, but, uh, I've, I've made my own family now yeah. and I actually do feel like very secure in who I am and like the people I have around me. Um, I have, you know, my best friend of like eight going on nine years. Um, my partner I've been dating for two years, like we have holidays together and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, I have a job now where like, I didn't even need to come out. I just work there as Taylor, mm -hmm. you know? Like, that's so, I mean, that's, it's interesting how uh, going back to the idea of any young person and they don't have to be anything other than a young person. Um, I want to go down this path of talking to you about Um, I'm trying to choose my words very carefully. Um, I want to talk to you about young people feeling like they have to stay in environments, sit down and, and say in conversations, and for lack of a better term, take it from 
people in their lives because of a bunch of uh, a bunch of reasons. I mean, for myself, it it was I have to keep this person in my life because I'm biologically related. I have to sit through awkward conversations and be made to feel other at every family function because I'm bi biologically related to them. You know what I mean? So what is your perspective on youth who obviously cannot just up and relocate? <laughs> they're still a part of a family system and they're still a minor, arguably, but they're exposed to a lot and they see a lot. And there are probably a lot of feelings and a lot of thoughts stirring up. And, you know, what do you do? What do you do when you can't just leave a, a, your parents, you know, because you don't and you don't necessarily want to some, you know, for a lot of people like for me, I mean, I'm, that breaks my heart to have to, to break away in any way. And there were times where we did, but what's your take on that? Yeah, well, I think one of the the big things I worked through in therapy was the whole, like, no one by default has the right to, like, you and your time. Like, people have to earn that spot close to you. And if they're not going to treat you well, then you don't have to give it to them. Um, but, and, you know, I do think there's a lot of, like, social stuff, like, you know, if someone is biologically related to you, you have to you know, take it, you have to still embrace them and love them. And, and obviously, XYZ yeah, I'm obviously and, not advocating yeah. for like not respecting no. your family, but I, yeah, but yeah, uh, sitting, yeah. sitting in conversation sometimes it's like, can be almost traumatic and damaging in and of itself mm -hmm. more than it would be Absolutely. to not, to not. But I would say for young people, um, finding your like queer elders wherever you can is a really important step and i mean love it or hate it the internet has made it so you can connect with people from all over the place and there's a lot of great resources so you know even if you're living in a really small town and you feel like there's no one like you um there are there's whole communities um you obviously have to exercise some discretion about like where you're meeting people online, mm. but, you know, finding people who you can talk to even like in the no stigmas mm. group, um, I, you can find places like that where you will be supported and where people can listen to you. So even if you're still having to sit through those kind of like traumatic right. situations where people are invalidating you or insulting you or making you feel like you're not right, then you can kind of take that and you can go and like vent it out to someone who understands and can kind of reassure you like, no, like what you're feeling is real and, you know, it's okay to feel it. Yeah. When I was in college, um, I sort of came out, my earliest memory of kind of, <laughs> I guess, I'm not sure if I ever compared myself to anyone. My uncle was was gay um, and had been married to my aunt, you know, the, the kind of was like, okay, I can't be married anymore. Um, but other than, I mean, there wasn't like representation. I don't, even as a kid, I mean, I can't even recall, maybe SNL had a couple of over-the-top characters that I could think about as a young person, but... Um, where I was going with that was, I mean, I can go back to like age nine, 10, sort of being like, yeah, this is, I'm not like, I mean, I'm, I, Jacob's my best friend, but I'm not like Jacob. You know what I mean? And, um, and then going into high school and, and passing and 
you know, just trying to keep it together and date who I needed to and kind of lie to myself. Um, it wasn't until college, but hearing you say that, look for your elders, I didn't do that. And I think it was very damaging to my process. I think I didn't, I didn't look to anyone else. I let myself, I guess, cause I was already used to dealing with it, you know, suffering in silence. I was like, well, I'm going to go through this, like all by myself. I never, ever thought to reach out to other people who are, mm -hmm. I mean, I know that sounds kind of wild to say now on the other side of a decade, but I never thought about it. No one ever said that to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's really important. And, um, I think a thing that's been lost also a lot um, is kind of like those important intergenerational experiences and partly because so many queer people died of the AIDS crisis. You know, it's asking like, where are your queer elders? Like, well, mm -hmm. they died to an epidemic. Right. Um, but this new generation of uh, up and coming queers, like, we're here for them. Yeah. And you know, there's, there's more and more people, even in old age coming out. Um, and I think it's really important to listen to their experiences and also kind of, you know, meet them where they're at. That's one thing with intergenerational mm -hmm. relationships, like you got to meet people where they're at, but it's still really important to hear from them. And I mean, your queer elder doesn't necessarily have to be like a 70 year old person. <laughs> they can be someone who's five years older than you right. and has already gone through the process of coming out right. and, you know, is living their life. Um, but yeah, I, I do think it's important. What, if we talk about your sort of, um, you know, kind of like once you've now sort of, flown the coop and you're finding yourself and you're doing the therapy gig and you're kind of starting to f realize that you can choose the people that are around you and how empowering that is. Um, what challenges have you faced as an adult now, you know, versus being, being a child in a situation that maybe you didn't have full control over? Like, what are some of the challenges that have hit you on this side of things? Yeah. Well, I mean, it is still hard as an adult, you know, there is a lot of discrimination. I mean, I'm going into nursing in part because that can be a, a field that's more friendly to queer men. Um, and also it's a very necessary field, which means getting a job mm. won't be as difficult because I worked in an office before and I didn't really love the environment that I was in. Like I wasn't really out, mm -hmm. but getting a job anywhere else was kind of difficult. Mm. You know, I'd be told stuff like, oh, you're too friendly or you laugh too much. And that's why you can't be our secretary. And it would be like, uh-huh. Mm. I would get all these interviews with my resume and then they'd meet me in person and I would not get the call back. That's interesting. That's really interesting. Actually kind of makes me a little, <laughs> a little annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, mm. um, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great, that's a great example right there. You know, just standing up, I guess, you know, what are you supposed to do? Yeah. It's, and I mean, you can't prove it, right. they, you know, want someone uh, who's a lot more, you know, heteronormative, whatever, mm -hmm. conforming.
but um yeah i i do honestly think that was part of the reason i, I struggled so much and that but um I mean, on the flip side, I, I have felt really embraced going into hospitals and the nursing field. Like, I love my job right now. I work as a, an ER tech. And, you know, no one really cares, like, like, not in a bad way. No one cares who you are, but what they care is if you can, if you can do it, right. you know, like if you're going to be able to jump in and do those chest compressions right. and help try to save someone. I kind of love that, though. That's sort of liberating to, to not be qualified <laughs> by anything other than your ability to do the work that you signed up for, you know? Yeah. I love that. It's very like no nonsense, you know? If you or someone you know is experiencing a crisis, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org for support via live chat. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, please call 911. Other resources are linked in the show notes. Um, I was going to say, what do you think about, or have you had any experiences where, um, I mean, you kind of alluded like in the employment, you know, like, have you had any micro moments that you've had to overcome in like everyday life? I mean, I'm thinking taking the subway or being in a restaurant or, you know, any other social situation where you felt that your identity was being challenged or somehow made to feel other i mean does that does that happen i mean i'm hoping it doesn't but it happens all the time but uh um, so what is that like what is that like for you and and what do you think that we can do to advocate for those who kind of walk through those moments well i don't know i mean one thing about the masks is you can't see the little fuzz so i often get the like sir ma'am i can't tell what you are um but, you know, I think a lot of the time that's not malicious, so I don't try to treat it as malicious, you know, I just answer the question. And I mean, when you were saying that, a thing that popped up just in my head is sometimes it's also like when I talk, like it'll be sir, and then I'll say something, it'll be like, ma'am, uh, I don't know. Uh, but I actually remember this one um, unhoused woman asking me for money. And when I said I didn't have any change, her going on this whole like transphobic tirade. Uh, so that was interesting. But um, I don't know. I guess it doesn't. My cat's out there screaming. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know if it's the best advice or like the most like respectful advice, I guess that it's kind of like you do just have to let some of that roll off of you because at the end of the day, you can only control what you're doing. You can't control like what other people are doing and saying, but um, I do think uh, we are making some good strides towards like, you know, asking people's pronouns mm -hmm. and, you know, being more open and accepting that it's not just default. Everyone is X or Y. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I, I think Gen Z is really doing a great job with uh, awareness of that sort of stuff and like respect. Right. And We're coming up that, in, a, so. in a different head. I mean, interconnectivity of the digital space i think is very to me it's very sim. it could be very similar to like how you're describing kind of going to college or leaving your town mm -hmm. and you just have this like 
exploration of ideas and you see diversity in ways you've never experienced before. And so it's almost like you have this young generation, you know, through social media and online that are like almost hyper exposed to things that I guess in some ways can be a good thing and other ways can be challenging. But yeah, you sort of broaden their horizon from their screen in their hands, which is, mm -hmm. I mean, I guess it's good. I'm kind of thinking about my nieces and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> Yeah, I think the internet is kind of, you know, it's I know it's a tool. It like, oh, for good or bad. <laughs> like, oh, but um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like that's, I mean, that's sage advice because I can think back to so many moments growing up that I cared and still probably to this day care too much about or I put too much of my value in others, period you know, too much of my value in their opinion, expectations, whatever. Um, so as a young person, especially as a young person who is maybe feeling like they are the only person in their world that they can see, like they don't see anyone else that they can connect with, you know, I can, I can see that actually being the advice you should take is you cannot change those people all you can change is your reaction and and how you see yourself and you know i try to tell my nieces like stay the course stay the course and none of them have ex you know have really i mean they're so young but none of them have ever really talked to me they've all sort of um i was gonna say talk to me about you know none of them have come out none of the, that's not i mean they're very they're being raised in a certain way but also at this point in time they identify as you know straight girls female that's it you know like they don't they their drama is like their friends at school and what the yeah. you know so when i talk to them but there's still that that i mean you can translate it to anything there's still this idea of like mm -hmm. these opinion leaders and it's like well don't care don't care yeah don't care and i'm constantly saying that like i'm texting like don't care um to me it was i think growing up was like that magnified the pre like the like my niece may say like, oh, well, they said such and such and I didn't like it. Okay, well, that feeling times a hundred every day of the week is how I felt growing up. Did you feel that way? Did you constantly feel like othered? Yeah, well, yes and no, because I feel like I was a very good actor. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think I, I played the part very well to the point where like a lot of things weren't directed at me. Right. But, you know, you would still hear them and it would still be like, oh, mm. like, I mean, as I said, I had a lot of internalized transphobia where I was like convinced that that was just a really bad thing. Like I was actually friends with uh, a trans man who like, um, you know, asked me out and that freaked me the fuck out. But um, mostly because of how my mom reacted to it when I told her you know, just like, oh, like, this is bad. This is the worst thing you can be, you know? Um, so yeah, it, it took a long time to kind of like get, get past that mm. and like process it. And, and not put so much stock in, or not, I guess, not that you don't value people's opinions, but that you're not, it's not debilitating. Like you're able to live mm -hmm. your life the way you want to, and it doesn't have that control. I want to talk about, um, trauma <laughs> um i think let's talk about let's it, talk about it <laughs> um i think 
I'm not a doctor or an expert. I am just a person. But I know from experience that there, and I was just talking to someone yesterday about this. There are so many things as a child and as growing up that I was not equipped to deal with. I did not have the skills to deal with, skills to deal with. Not that that's any one person's fault. I think it's a system that you are brought up in and that is just what it is. And it's what it's been for generations. Um, growing up, if you could have created a different landscape for yourself, if there could have, if you could have crafted something that is ideal for you, like whatever that looks like to you, I know what it looks like to me. <laughs> How, I don't know. What does it look like to, to me? It looks like, um, you know, watching TV with my family and not being made to feel weird when two men kiss on TV and not making myself feel weird when I see two men kiss on TV. Um, having conversations at a very young age before acting out and before do, making some really poor choices and before turning to a lot of things that were not ever making me feel better to be able to have conversations and be heard at a young age is something that I would put in that box of like, this would be great. Um, you know, cause I tried, I remember being like mm -hmm. 13, not even 13, maybe 12, 11 and really like dropping hints, breaking the ice, you know, and I told, I was told some pretty damaging stuff. Um, another thing I would say was what I would love is if, people that informed me for who I am. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because there's a lot of great stuff that I got from my village growing up. But there were a lot of, there's a lot of baggage that was put on my shoulders. That's not mine. I didn't check that bag at TSA. That's not mine. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't, I no. In a perfect world, that would not happen for me, I think. Does any of that resonate with you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the, um, I mean, the thing about youth and like every generation kind of does saddle the next generation with all of their baggage and trauma, kind of, you know, we talk about trauma mm -hmm. as a cycle. It's like, that's kind of how it happens. Like, and that's, I think why it happens is because a lot of people don't sit down and work through their trauma and understand it. Um, and that has been a very important thing for me. Cause you know, like if I ever had kids, I would not want to settle them with all this stuff. Um, but yeah, I guess the ideal world for me would be kind of similar where it's, it's a very open and accepting space. Um, at least accepting of things that aren't hurting everyone else. Cause right. when you go to carte blanche <laughs> acceptance, <laughs> that can sometimes right. be bad. No, but, but that's, um, but that I mean, just the idea of I'm not hurting anyone. I'm mm -hmm. just who I, I'm just me. I'm not, what does my little existence have to do or, with anyone else? And what do I, what harm am I causing by existing? You know, and I think that message is what really breaks my heart. And I, I, I talk about youth because you can't talk about an, a queer identity and not talk about being a kid because mm -hmm. I would say, and I'm, I'm again, not like the expert, but I have never known a person that was that was so lucky and fortunate enough to be raised from the jump 
knowing they had a choice or knowing that they, if they made a choice would be respected and accepted. Mm -hmm. I mean, every person I know in my life, every person I've ever known has always started off put in a box and had to fight their way out. Everyone, I honestly, honestly, and somehow some are super lucky to have like acceptance right away, but they're still starting off in the box, yeah. right? Like they're not just brought up in a way that's like, Hmm, I don't know. Maybe let them tell you who they are. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that sounds a little too fluid. I don't know. But, um, but the idea of being seen is such a powerful thing. I think it's so scary to me. Um, I go back and forth about wanting to have kids because I'm so scared of things that could happen to them. And I'm sure every parent kind of feels that way, but like, I know that the pain makes us stronger sometimes. I know that the, you know, we don't want the trauma, but we learn really fantastic skills on the other side of it. Um, but I don't know what I would tell, like, I don't know what I would tell my kid, like how, I mean, I struggle just to talk to my nieces sometimes, like to, to give them advice and like, I don't know. I think I'm just catastrophizing the, the, the world, but it just feels like the world is, <laughs> no, it feels like the world is just yeah. so hard sometimes. It's like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like kids are so open and accepting and it's something you see, like if you work with kids a lot where you're just like, I don't know if they ask you like, oh, do you have a girlfriend? Be like, oh no, I have a boyfriend. They'll just be like, oh, okay. And then proceed to ask you questions about that instead. Um, I think fostering that in kids almost just being like, you know, uh, some people are this way and some people are that way and it's all okay. Right. Like that's all you really need to tell a kid. Exactly. Like a kid isn't born homophobic or racist or any of these other things. It's learned behavior. So if you don't teach it to them. Well said. Then they don't have it. <laughs> well said. That's really smart. Yeah. it's. I love that. Like no one ever says, don't teach it. They just say it's learned. <laughs> like yeah. the accountability is on someone else. Like, oh, they just, it's learned, learned behavior. Um, so what would you say to, um, you know, I guess uh, I have not walked in the shoes of a trans identity. I don't know that path, but what would you say to someone who's maybe listening or who knows someone who may be struggling or hurting with you know, any of the, any of the points in that process, I mean, what would you say to those people if they were listening? Um, well, to someone who's struggling with it, I would say that a lot of the things you're telling yourself in your head about why it can't happen aren't true. Like you can get there. Uh, I remember distinctly, um, right after coming out, like standing in line at the airport, like bawling my eyes out. Cause I was sure I was never going to be able to afford hormones and I'd never be able to get surgery. And I was just going to be sad all the rest of my life, you know? And then six months later I was on hormones and like maybe a year and a half later I got top surgery and, you know, I've, I've like found this wonderful life. Um, post all of that it's just you know surrounded by people who accept me and like people who love me and you know it's not that I I never have any issues with my loved ones but the really important thing is if there is an issue we can then sit down and talk about it and like 
not foster all this resentment mm. and just kind of move forward. Um, so obviously there are, there are going to be barriers for people like that's kind of an inescapable part of life, but you can be who you are and like, you can get there. And for someone listening, I would say that is the most important thing you can do is listen first and foremost. Um, you can ask like what people need, but a lot of the time it's just support and acceptance. You know, they, they don't need your two cents about like what you think they should be doing. Um, you just need to be there for them, you know, to let them tell you what they need. And that was, I love that. I love that. I'm a two cents giver. So I take that to heart. I just, I was watching something on, um, oh, it was a reality show. This is what it was. I was watching a reality show on Netflix and they were saying, sometimes it's like, you don't have to fix it. You just have to listen. And I was like, you're right. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to change you. I just want to help you. And, and but it, I, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, sometimes I, my partner is the same way. <laughs> well, so, I mean, sometimes it, cause sometimes, you know, what it comes from too, is I think being someone who I want your two cents, I, I want your advice. I want you to tell me what you think I should do in a situation. So sometimes that's like knee jerk reaction. It's like, let me give my unsolicited advice about something. Um, <laughs> even if it's not needed, yeah. but some things I will stand by. And some things I think, you know, oh, yeah. some things I will stand by. And I think telling people not to put so much stock in others opinions of you is something I will say. And I will two cents that all day long. Cause I think it needs to be heard. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that we haven't touched on. I mean, we really did talk about the gamut, the gamut. Um, the last thing I wanted to ask you was, um, and you kind of just sort of went there was, you know, Growing up, there are lots and lots. Hang on one second. Something just let me turn this off. What is that notification? Wait, close that. Sorry, it was Maggie. It was Maggie. I was like, "What that?" It's gonna keep going. Um, let me back up. So the last thing I want to talk about in our last couple minutes is is you know, pretty brief, but I want to talk about the, the happy. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I find myself dwelling on a lot of the turmoil because that's my story. Um, and I don't stop to smell the roses enough. Um, and I think that's something we should do. Um, you alluded to getting to the other side of the trauma and having the life that you wanted and seeing the love in your life. Um, what are some more of the, give me some more of the good, happy feels. What are some of the, the good <laughs> things that you have and what are the, some things that you're thankful for? And Well, yeah, I feel like, um, after transitioning, I really kind of was able to find a sense of direction in life. And, um, part of going to nursing school has actually been this kind of trans other sort of transition <laughs> where it's, uh, you know, it's not, not just about me. It's about what I can do to help other people. Mm -hmm. Um, because for a long time I was kind of struggling to find like any meaning in life. Um, and then I just kind of hit upon like, well, you know, maybe it's about like what you can do for others. Um, so that's a big part. And then, I mean, just on the mundane level, like I've got two adorable kittens. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. And, you know, got my friends and my found family. We play Dungeons and Dragons together <laughs> every other weekend. Um, and yeah, it's just, I, I've found the most happiness is with people, even despite all the other stuff mm. that goes with people. Um, I feel like I find the most happiness in those kind of like deep interpersonal connections that you're able to develop once you figure out who you are. I love that. Very well said. Yeah. Very well said. It sounds like you've told your story a few times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a talker. What are you talking about? Like you have you have it down. You have it really down. Oh my gosh, I just yeah. saw how greasy my forehead is. Uh, <laughs> um Anyway, yeah, I think that was a wrap. Um, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? I mean, we we kind of talked about your story and we went into a couple of great, great, great examples. Um, is there anything else that we miss? Yeah, I mean, I think I would just reiterate that, like, no matter how alone you feel, you're not alone. And reaching out to people is really one of the best things you can do for yourself, whether it's that you feel isolated because you're queer or because you are depressed and it doesn't seem like anyone else around you is depressed or if you're having like you know these crazy out of control mood swings or if you're hearing things that other people don't hear like you don't have to go through it alone there's people who want to help you so just reach out love that love that because man oh can't tell you how many times <laughs> i suffered in silence just mm -hmm. i don't know i think that's the cajun in me it's like being told tough it out tough it out yeah I'll... you'll get through it push through and you're like okay but then i talked to it's funny because i talked to uh my friend erica from college um she we talked a lot about kind of i mean for an hour about the uh strong black woman kind of the pressure of being a strong black woman and what that meant growing up and as a woman today and uh she was saying that there's like this weird dichotomy of like it made me who I am and it destroyed who I am. Mm -hmm. She's like, so I take the good, I take the strength, I take the, the resilience and I leave the rest behind because if I just focused on, you know, push through, push through, push through, then I would, ne I would never know how to handle anything. I would just keep plowing through life, numbing myself and lying to myself. Um, that was what she said. That's what just made me think of that was, yeah, don't suffer in silence. I know, I know. I know. That's why we're here. Awesome. Okay. Um, I think that's a wrap. Um, thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you, Taylor, for talking with me. It was thank you for having you're me. Welcome. It was nice to see you. Um, I hope you stay warm. Is it really cold there? Uh I think it's not too bad okay. today. It snowed yesterday, oh, so that ruined my plans for doing anything. Great. But <laughs> I know here it's like it's um very, very windy, very, very humid, and very, very cold. But then sunny. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to go outside. Nope. Go back in. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> like deceptive. But it's a tease. It's like, oh, it's like, is it want to be spring? Nope. Not at all. Not yet. So it's false. Spring. It's false. It's a lie. <laughs> I'm going to Louisiana on Friday and I'll be there for a few weeks and it's already 80 and a 90% humidity. So like you eat the air when you're home. You just eat it. Yeah. Like it's so thick. And then I can't wait to not be able to breathe. <sighs> going home is i mean my mom was in the middle of nowhere so it's like hay fields so i'm like great 
I'll bring my inhaler. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I'll just call my my cousin the NP and be like, I need some albuterol. I need a rescue inhaler. Yeah. <laughs> I may need some prednisone. <laughs> like, this is where we are. This is where we are. But anyways, all right, I'll let you go. Um, I'm actually gonna go do dinner, and then I have more more stuff to do for work tonight. Right. Thank you, Taylor. Um, Thank you. Keep in touch, and if there's, I know sometimes we send emails and like hello hello um to everybody but if there's anything you want to collaborate on or you want to create or anything like that with me i'm happy to do it so if you want to do anything like anything i mean we could do these kind of creations we can do micro video content we can do anything that you want that you think would be helpful to the mission um Absolutely. or that, that we can you know brand and create that you could take into the people you serve you know anything like that just the door doors open just so you know Cool. Thank you're you. Welcome. I appreciate you're that. Welcome. Okay, I'll let you go. Have a great day. All right, you Bye. too. Take it easy. Bye. This is Unsilent. Thank you for listening. Today's episode was hosted by Lance Bordelone and produced by me, Eli Lawson, Lance, John Panacucci, and the rest of the incredible No Stigmas marketing team. Special thanks to Taylor for sharing his story this week and delivering such a powerful message. To go beyond the show, connect with us on social media or visit nostigmas.org to learn more about mental health topics. Please leave us a five-star review and share with others wherever you listen to podcasts. We'd really appreciate it. New episodes of Unsilent come out every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern time. Finally, remember that whatever you're going through, you don't have to do it alone. Be Unsilent. We'll see you next week.